0: Good evening. Welcome to House Baptist Church. Let's stand and worship together. Send the light. There's a call comes ringing, for the restless way. worship tonight.
1: Great to have you out tonight. Very special service that uh, you're able to be a part of. I want to welcome you out here to Lighthouse Baptist Church as we have our service combined with ordination of... uh Brother Matt Stallings. And so it's so great to have you out with us tonight. Um, if you're here from Chillicothe, you may be visiting, just hold up your hand and Rush have got a gift for you. If you're here from other sister churches, uh, by all means, don't hold up your hand just yet, all right? But if you're visiting from Chillicothe area, uh, this is a regular service. So I want to make sure we get everybody as well. So great to have you. Before we uh, open in prayer, I would just like to take just a moment. I know we got, of course, the pastors we'll introduce in just a moment, uh, but we do have uh, two sister churches. And so if you're here from the First Baptist Church, in ashland ohio would you raise your hand at this time all right great amen praise god amen. all right well it's so great to so great to have you and i, I believe there's some lighthouse baptist church circleville folks too down here at then right all right they're over here okay all right great all right, well, it's good. Well, the rest makes up those pastors and those folks from Chillicothe, so it's great to have you out. We're going to have a special guest come and pray for us at this time, Pastor uh, Kenny Eastep. pastor of the Shawnee Hills Baptist Church in Portsmouth, Ohio. This is uh, Matt Stallings' brother, and so he's going to come and open us in word of prayer. Brother Kenny, would you mind coming and, and open us in prayer tonight? Thank you, brother. Thank you. Amen. You may be seated this evening. Try to keep things moving tonight. Got a lot of ground to, to cover. I would like to give just a a brief introduction and explanation about what an ordination is. Uh, We see over in the book of Acts, uh, chapter 13, that when they were faithfully serving in Antioch, the Lord separated out Saul and Barnabas for the uh, gospel work and ministry, and they were separated by the Holy Spirit unto the call that God had on their lives, they were sent forth by the church. And so we find tonight in uh, like kind that we seek to do the same thing. The Holy Spirit has deemed fit to separate Brother Matt and his his family uh, to the gospel ministry, and uh, they have uh, affirmed all the the giftings and calling. And tonight what we seek to do is not just to see how much Brother Matt knows, it may appear to be that way. You hear the word interrogation uh, comes to mind, and and maybe you get a little bit uh, jittery and a little bit anxious, but none so more than Brother Matt, but uh, he's prepared, I know, and trust that he'll do a great job tonight. It does isn't try to, to try to exhaust you know, how much he knows, but it's to see what he believes and why he believes it, and so that's what we're seeking to affirm uh, tonight. And so uh, with that in mind, uh, in just a moment we'll uh, introduce the, the pastors and things, but this time I'm going to have Brother Matt and Sister Lisa Stallings come. Uh, they've been a, a faithful family in our church for many years, have felt the call of God, and that brings us here to this moment in time. Brother Matt and Sister Lisa, if you guys want to come. And, and sure. Give them a hand tonight as they come.
2: Well, I thought maybe you were just going to let me go. I'm not sure why I'm nervous, because I have a cheat sheet, and he doesn't, <laughs> but <clears throat> so, hi. Uh, I initially thought that tonight was just about Matt kind of being on the hot seat, and um, then he told me that I had to speak too, so that changed things a little bit. Um <laughs> So first, I just want to thank all the pastors on the council for coming. I know this is a busy time of the year, and just we appreciate how much each of you have meant to him and, and us in and our walk. So we thank you for being here. Um, our family and our friends, both old and new, um, we just thank everybody for making the trip. And um, God has really blessed us with some amazing people, and uh, we're thankful for that. And everybody's been an encouragement in this um, you know, except for some of us that just told us we weren't allowed to go. Um, But I know they meant it in love. Uh, But I guess just a little bit about myself, I'll be brief. Um, I didn't grow up in a church home, um, really didn't learn a lot about the Lord. Um, Every now and then my parents would put us on the Sunday school bus, I think, you know, just to more get us out of their hair. But um, uh, we would go some, as a teen, I would go to youth group with a friend every now and then. And even though I know I probably wasn't there for the right reasons, um, God still used that as an opportunity to plant seeds in my heart. So I'm thankful for that. Um, I met Matt when I was 19. We got married when I was 21. Um, it wasn't until I was pregnant with Madison and I was watching a TV preacher and I'm not sure what exactly he said, but I knew that I needed to know more about God because I was worried about being a good mom and I was worried about how I was going to raise you know, this little girl and... I knew that God was a part of that. I knew enough to know that I needed God to be a part of that. So I searched for years, went to several different churches and denominations as we moved around, and as Matt can attest to, and uh, we ended up in Kentucky at Florence Baptist Church. And it was there for the first time that I clearly heard the gospel presented. That um, I, I had learned about God loves you and the Holy Spirit in lots of different ways, and. Um, but that was the first time that I knew that I needed repentance and salvation. And so, I had gone forward uh, one evening and, and given my life to Christ there, and that's where Matt was saved as well. So, uh, we came here to chill a coffee, and we visited Lighthouse the first Sunday that we were here and never left. So, um, it's been an amazing almost 10 years, um, but God has brought us so far, and... Uh, tonight I have a lot of different emotions. Um, I'm excited about going to Ashland and the people that I've met, and I'm sad um, for those of us that are here that we love. And um, I'm thankful, and I'm just for Pastor Ryan and Sarah and and just stepping out and um, coming here and just for the years of preaching and teaching and loving us, even though we're flawed, (laughs) um, just helping us get here today. So, um, pastor Ryan, God has used you to have a profound effect on Matt. And, um, I can't thank you enough. And for Matt, I couldn't be any more proud of him. Um, I don't deserve him. I never have. Um, but I'm just grateful that God saw fit to give us to each other. And, um, I've been a witness to all that God has done in his heart and the transformation that's happened. And uh, I'm excited to see the souls that will be saved and the lives that will be transformed as he continues to yield to God's leading. So um, I figured I'd say, I, you know, I love him. I will happily follow you, even if that means going north. Um, Laughter Anyone who knows me, I wouldn't go north unless God directed it. So, um, but he is an amazing husband, an amazing father, and I know he will be just as amazing as a pastor. So uh, again, I just thank everyone here for your love and your prayers. Um, Our LBC family, our family, um, and for our new family in Ashland for making this trip down and just making us feel welcome. Um, Look forward for the years of serving together. Thank you.
3: <clears throat> you could have saved the sappy stuff, put at the beginning, not the end. But no, we do. Uh, we thank y'all so much for being here uh, tonight. We do, and uh, uh, so thankful for uh, so many things. Um, just to piggyback on on what she said, obviously, um, it was October 2005, and I gave my life to Christ at Florence Baptist Church, and. Uh, Florence, Kentucky. And uh, I joke all the time that you actually can get saved in Kentucky. Uh, it can happen. And uh, we visited that church and uh, we had been through some things in our family with some uh, with our daughter's health and been through a lot. And I, through that process, was seeking the Lord and trying to find God and all of that and, and visiting the church. And uh, I white-knuckled those pews for a long time and refused to walk that aisle. And, and it wasn't shortly thereafter in October 2005 on a Thursday night when an assistant pastor named Rodney Alexander visited my house and and I uh, pulled in my driveway, and I was cutting the grass out back. I was covered in grass head to toe and sweaty, and I was like, oh, he's here for me. I know he is, because she was already saved. So, like, I know why he's here, and so we began to talk in the driveway, and I remember him uh, speaking to me about my eternity and, and getting that dealt with that night, and uh, I'm thankful for people that fill a great commission. Amen. So, he came out to visit, and so I'm thankful for that. Um, this is hardly an ordination. Hey, I held it together. Can y'all just come question me and get this part over with? But. Um, so thankful for my salvation. I'm thankful for my wife. Uh, this uh, this Friday is 22 years. Uh, she's put up with me, and so uh, I'm uh, I'm thankful for her. Uh, I'm thankful for my three kids, Maddie, Allie, and Mo. All three of them are saved. Uh, two of the three baptized. The third one's getting baptized tonight, and so we're excited about that. Um, So thrilled about that. We're thrilled about uh we're, we're very thankful for this church, uh thankful for our pastor, and I had a chance to share this not too long ago in a sermon, and uh, I'm thankful for uh, just the growth that's happened here. Um
2: Hi.
3: You're supposed to be the emotional one. Ah all right. We'll get to the ordination here in a minute, but uh, just thankful for the church, thankful for my pastor who poured a lot into me. Um I love you all too. But we're excited. I even love you, Marvin. <laughs> uh, look up and you're going you cry and you see Marvin, it fixes it real quick. <laughs> He's got a face that'll fix that, but uh, it's made for radio. Uh, but anyway, I'm thankful for the church. Uh, I'm thankful for the people here that have helped me a lot over the last 10 years. I'm thankful for a pastor who's poured a tremendous amount into me over the last 10 years. I'm thankful that God still uses imperfect people to do his work. I'm thankful for FBC. They've been very welcoming and excited to get up there. I'm thankful for uh, some people in this room who have uh, really worked in my life to get to this point. Um, It was June 9th that uh, pastor Ryan preached a sermon out of 2 Timothy 4. I was sharing with the guys a minute ago in the private interrogation and, uh, and was visiting with uh, that message, and he preached that sermon, and um, Paul was going to get up and, and preach the gospel until he died, and Timothy, you get up and you preach till you die, and you keep preaching, and, and that message really broke my heart. We took off on vacation the very next Monday, and that next Sunday, we were in First Baptist Church, um, and that was in June. Uh, June 9th, uh, pastor preached that sermon, and June 10th, we went to Mohegan State Park and took a vacation. And... Uh, that very next uh, Sunday was Father's Day, and uh, we stopped in First Baptist Church, and God was breaking my heart for ministry and for pastoring. Then we show up First Baptist Church, and Pastor White says he's retiring. I was like, well, that's interesting. Um <laughs> But that's not what I was thinking was going to happen. Uh, but we began to continue to pursue God's will in that. And, and uh, we came back and we continued to just seek the Lord in that process. And and uh, we had a great summer of ministry working with the youth and went to church camp with uh, 65 folks going to church camp. And 14 of them got saved, came back, baptized 17s. And I just had a great church camp and a great VBS, seeing souls saved and baptized. And God just continued to work in my heart. and. And then in September, uh, Pastor Hudson came and preached a revival, and he preached about an eaglet, and that eaglet getting kicked out of that nest. That eaglet's comfortable, and the eagle pushes it out, and then goes and catches it and puts it back until it learns to fly, and you got to get out of your comfort zone. And that sermon, the Lord just used that sermon to, to, to break me down. I remember visiting with my pastor that very next uh, day and saying, Pastor, I don't know what's going on, but something's going on, and we need to just pray and seek the Lord in this. And so we continue to pray, and Uh, At that time, still wasn't thinking it was going to be First Baptist Church of Ashland. We were thinking planting a church in Jackson or another town. We were praying over cities. We drove over and prayed in Jackson and and just seeking the Lord's will in that. But through that process, we just said, you know, Lord, whatever you want, uh, we'll follow your will. Uh, Whatever you want us to do, we'll do it. We'll proceed to plant a church in Jackson. If something else opens up along this way, we'll by all means pray and seek the Lord in that process. And it was two days later, a text message came across and said, hey, First Baptist Church needs a Pastor. And uh, the person that sent the text mentioned our family by name. And so we're like, well, we have to pray about that. <laughs> Amen. So we began to pray and then just seek that opportunity out and, and got up and visited with the people at First Baptist Church and visit with the church and uh, just had a great meeting, great leadership, um, great people at First Baptist Church and just loved them from the get-go and, and uh, enjoyed the church and got to meet Pastor White and sit down with him multiple times and enjoyed those conversations. And he had nothing but uh, phenomenal things to say about the church. And the process just has been extremely smooth. Um, been through the the interview process and all the process the preaching and the vote, and the vote was one hundred percent unanimous to be called to be the pastor and then uh, just just every step of the way god 's hand's been in it, and so we're excited. Uh, we 're excited we can 't wait to get up there and get going we 're preaching up there this sunday, and so uh, i 'm ready to i 'm ready to prepare a sermon amen so um, ready to get going. So we're ready to get uh, get to and international, so we're excited. But I'm thankful for, uh, there's several men in the room that have, that have been an inter- integral part of that. Obviously, my pastor and then uh, Pastor Hudson as well, Pastor White, uh, Pastor Nathan, all these guys on the council have played a huge role uh, in, in, in my uh, development and, and, and working in my life. And so I'm thankful for all them. Thankful for my family who's here. I'm thankful for them being here tonight. So I'm going to stop so I can get ordained, all right? But... Um, <laughs> Thank you, guys. We are excited. Uh, We can't wait uh, to get to First Baptist Church and get plowing up there and seeing some souls saved. Amen.
1: It's great stuff. Appreciate them sharing. Uh, Sister Lisa and Brother Matt, it's great. Great hearing your heart and just, uh, just, just seeing what God's done. Amen. Awesome to be a part of that. Well, this time I want to introduce the pastors, and as I call them out, if they want to come up and have a seat there on the council behind me, uh, Pastor Josh Bevan from the Lighthouse Baptist Church in Xenia, Ohio, um, Pastor Josh Dixon, who will be our moderator uh, for this evening, Bible Baptist Church in Wilmington, Ohio, Pastor Terrell Hudson, uh, retired from the Moraine Heights Baptist Church Uh, there uh, in Dayton, Ohio. Pastor Mike Purden from the New Life Baptist Church in Grove City, Ohio. Pastor Bryson Thompson from the Assurance Baptist Church in Northmont area, there near uh, Dayton as well in Ohio. Pastor Butch White, retired from the First Baptist Church in Ashland, which is exciting, amen. (laughs) Pastor Nathan Woolworth from the Lighthouse Baptist Church in Circleville. So this time, we'll have the the ordination, and uh, basically what we'll do is we have the articles of faith. We're just going to go through those, and so uh, just bear with us. This will be kind of a lengthy time, and it may seem a little harsh at times, but again, we're again trying just to find out what Brother Matt believes uh, in a day and a time where so much has become watered down. Uh, And so much of the the gospel has become anything but authentic. Uh, It's a day and time where we need to stand firm uh, for what we believe, why we believe it, and be able to stand firm in the the pulpit and proclaim the whole counsel of God's words. That's what we seek to do tonight.
4: All right. It's good to have you tonight. It's good to be here. Very honored uh, to stand in this position, in this role. Brother Matt asked me to Uh, be the moderator this evening. And I would like to reiterate something that uh, Brother Ryan uh, said this evening. Uh, This is not a test. This is not a test of uh, Brother Matt, but this is a testimony to our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Uh, We're not trying to be hard on him or to uh, question him and trip him up, but we're trying to prove our Lord Jesus Christ. And most importantly, we're trying to prove what truth is. Amen. Amen. We live in a world and a society today that is so confused about what truth is. And this is a man of God, as you well know, uh, that believes in truth and stands on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to ask some questions this evening to prove what he knows about the Lord. He's got his Bible there, but it's closed. You see that? And for $20, I'll let you open it. (laughs) Yes, yes, but... He won't need to open it because he knows exactly what he believes and he knows what he's talking about tonight. And so we're going to work our way down through uh, each pastor and each pastor has some doctrine here that they're going to ask uh, Brother Matt. And so we'll begin this evening with Pastor uh, Butch White and he's going to ask a series of of questions here concerning some doctrine. So go ahead, Brother Butch.
5: Brother Matt, um, first of all, it's always a frightening thing to pass the torch after you've been at the church for a long time. Uh, but uh, I'm excited about you being at First Baptist Church. Amen. And uh, you'll love the people, and I think they'll love you too. Amen. Brother Dixon has assigned some questions for us, so uh, th- these are... Don't be don't be nervous. These are easy questions. Amen. I mean, you could have... Uh, the stuff you went through with, with Pastor Bevan, uh, you, you know all this stuff. <laughs> so... What's your views on the hypostatic union in relation to the superlapsarianism?
3: <laughs> if you can spell it, I'll explain it. <laughs>
5: I'm not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am. Uh, what a...
1: He asked me the same question on my ordination <laughs> council. <laughs> uh,
5: I, uh, I was on the ordaining council of your yes, pastor yes, you and are. his Amen. pastor. Amen. So you're going to be a success.
3: Amen. Okay. Amen.
5: What Tell us what you think about the Holy Scriptures.
3: Sure. Sure. I believe the we're speaking of the Holy Bible, we're speaking of a collection of 66 books uh, from Genesis to Revelation. I believe these, uh, the Holy Bible does not only contain and convey the Word of God, but it is the very Word of God. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for approval, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly first into all good works. We see all Scripture, all of it, is inspired, God breathed, and so it is the very Word of God. I believe that the word of God was given to us supernaturally inspired by God to man. And I see, we see in second Peter chapter, second uh, Peter, uh, one verse 19 through 21 it says, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. And the motto on that is we don't need a new word from the Lord. We have a more sure word of prophecy. It says, we have a more sure word of prophecy whereinto you do well that you take heed as into a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn, the day start rising your hearts knowing this first, the no prophecy of the scriptures, any private interpretation for the prophecy came, not in old time. By the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And so we see we we were given this scripture supernaturally inspired by God. I believe the word of God will endure forever. I believe it's true from the beginning. Psalm 119.160 says, thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. Psalm 119.89 says, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. So I believe it will endure. I believe, as you said, we need a standard for truth, and the Bible is a standard for truth. Today, the truth is in question. People will say, your truth is not my truth, and so on. And I, I couldn't disagree with that anymore. I believe the Bible is a truth. I believe it is the standard. And the Bible speaks that. In John 17, 17, it says, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Psalm nineteen seven says, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. And so we see the word of God is absolutely perfect. It is inerrant. There is not an error in it. If we find an error, it's not an error in the Bible. It's an error on our part of understanding. So the Bible is true. We don't need to add or take away from it. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5 and 6 says, every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them to put their trust in him. Add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. And so we need not to add it. it doesn't need my help. I don't need to add to the scriptures or take away Deuteronomy 4.2, Revelation 22.19, the beginning, the middle, and the end of the Bible have what we call guardian verses that protect the scriptures. We don't need to add or take away from them. And so they are complete. They are true. It doesn't need our help. I believe because of that, the word of God should be our roadmap. It should be our guidebook. It should be an instruction manual for us. Everything we do should be filtered through the lens of scripture. Psalm 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Psalm 119.130 says, Entrance to thy words giveth light, it giveth understanding unto the simple. And so I believe the word of God should guide our steps. I believe everything we do should be funneled through uh, the scriptures. I believe the word of God are able to make one wise unto salvation. I believe a lost person can read the Bible with an open mind and open heart, realize their sinful condition and be converted. John 5.39 says, Search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. They are they which testify of me. Second Timothy three fifteen says that from a child, thus know the holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. And then Psalm nineteen seven that I mentioned a minute ago says the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. So I believe the Word of God can show us our need of a Savior, point to that Savior, and show us how to be saved. Living, read a Bible and understand those things. Uh, I believe the Word of God also will keep a young man from sin. I believe if we uh, invest in the Word of God, it'll purify our walk. I believe Bible will keep us from sin or sin will keep us from the Bible. Yes. Psalm 119.9 says, uh, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word? Uh, Psalm 119.11 says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And so the Bible will keep us from sin or the sin will keep us from the Bible. I believe the word of God is powerful. I believe it's alive. I believe it's a living book. I believe it's a book unlike any other book. And Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God is quick, meaning it's alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirits and the joints and the morrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. I believe it's a book that will transform our life. I don't believe the Bible was given to us for just information. I believe it was given to us for transformation. I believe the word of God will transform a life if we invest our time into it, which is why 2 Timothy 2.15 tells us we better study it. Study to show that self-approved unto God. A workman need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So we need to invest in the scripture. And then finally, I believe the word of God should be preserved. Now, the King James Version, I believe, is a word-for-word translation. It's the version we will use at First Baptist Church of Ashton of all preaching and teaching. Matthew 5.18 says, uh, Jesus said, Verily I say unto thee, till heaven and earth pass one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. And then one last thing. I said that was the last, but it wasn't. (laughs) I believe it's a standard in judgment as well. Uh, John 12, 48 says, he that rejecteth me and, and uh, receiveth not my words hath the one that judge him. The word that I've spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. So I believe the word will hold us accountable as well.
4: I think he knows what he's talking about, don't you? Mercy. I feel like I've been hit with the Bible. That's good. Does anybody have uh, anything to add or ask concerning the scriptures here? I think he covered them quite well. <laughs>
5: Matt, I feel like that little boy who came into his daddy and said, Daddy, where did I come from? And his dad said, Oh, no. (laughs) And he went through two hours of telling him biological things. And his little boy said, Joey's from Tennessee. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But uh, in, in a paragraph, if Moses asked you, what's the Bible, what would you tell him?
3: What's the Bible? In a paragraph, I would say the Bible is God's word to us. Uh, that is, uh, is the lens in which we should view our life, we should pattern our lives through the Scripture, allow the Scripture to transform our life.
5: Okay. How about we've got a plethora of gods around. Mm-hmm. Who's the true God?
3: I believe there's only one living and true God, and that's the God of the Bible, the God of Abraham, the God of Jacob, the God that we read of in Scriptures. I believe all other gods are fake, false, dead, and, and quite frankly, irrelevant. Uh, I believe the Word of God tells us in Isaiah 45, verse 5, He says, I am the Lord, there is none else. Right? He is the, the only living and the only true God. Exodus 22 and 3 says, "I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me." So he is the only living and true God. First Kings 8:60 he says that all the people of the earth may know that the Lord is God, and there is none else. There are no other gods; they're all dead and irrelevant. He is the one living and true God. I believe that he is Creator. Genesis 1:1 1, 1 says, "In the beginning God created heaven and earth." So I believe our one true God is Creator of all things. I believe he's an infinite and intelligent Spirit. I believe he's a supreme Maker and ruler of heaven and earth. I believe he's all-powerful, he's all-knowing, he's everywhere. I believe he can do all things. Uh, the Bible makes clear that he is unmatched in every single way. Psalm 90, verse 2 shows he's infinite. It says, Before the mountains were brought forth, ever thou hast formed the earth, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Jeremiah 10, 10 says, The Lord is the true God and a living God and an everlasting king. And as His wrath, the earth shall tremble, and the nations shall not be able to abide his indignation. So we see he's unmatched in every way. Exodus 15, 11 tells us he's unmatched in his gloriousness and his holiness. It says, who is like unto thee, o Lord, un, uh, in the old Lord of the gods? Who is like unto the glorious and holiness, fearful in wonders, or fearful in praises, doing wonders? We see he's unmatched in every way. He and he alone contains the attributes that he contains. He is unmatched. Because of that, he is worthy of all of our praise and our worship. Mark twelve thirty says, now shall love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. We're called to love him with all that we are, and he's deserving of that. Revelation 4.11 tells us that we're made for him. It says, for thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, honor, and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Love that verse. It's my favorite verse. My wife laughs. Uh, because it shows us why we're here. We get our mind around Revelation 4, 11. Life makes a lot more sense. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. First Corinthians 10, 31 says, whether therefore you eat, drink, or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. And so God is worthy of all of our praise. He's deserving of it. And we're called to live our lives in order to praise him. I believe in the Trinity. I believe the Holy God is, is uh, one God in three persons, the father, the son, and the Holy ghost. I believe they're equal in every divine uh, perfection in nature, but I, feel, I believe they fill three distinct roles in the plan of redemption. First John five seven speaks to this. It says there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. So be their equal in every way. Jesus himself said in John chapter ten, verse thirty, I and my Father are one. You see, in the days of creation, Genesis one twenty six it says, Let us make man in our image. You see plurality in creation. God the Father, the Spirit, and the Son all present during creation. These are the things I believe about the, the one true God. Gentlemen, anything to add or ask about that?
4: It's pretty thorough. Brother
5: Bush? You explained the Holy Spirit, but tell us about his relationship with you and how he works.
3: Sure. Yep. Holy Spirit, I believe, again, is uh, equal with God the Father and God the Son, uh, equal in every divine perfection, but does fill a, a distinct role. Uh, in the plan of redemption, I believe the uh, the Holy Spirit is, was active in creation, as I said. Genesis one two speaks of that. Uh, Genesis one twenty six, as we referenced, I'll get to that in creation. But I believe He was active in creation. Uh, I believe the Holy Spirit is at work today, restraining the evil one until God's purposes are fulfilled. Second Thessalonians two seven says, "For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who letteth will let until He be taken out of the way." And so I believe the Holy Spirit is working today, restraining that evil one until uh, until the time He is taken out of the way, and we'll get to that uh, later on this evening. Uh, I believe also he does uh, uh, work in the life of the believer. I believe that he is the, uh, bears witness to the preaching and, and, uh, of, the, of the gospel. I believe he uh, bears witness to Christ himself. I believe he's the agent in the new birth. I believe John 3, verse 5 and 6 says, Verily I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. I believe that at the very moment, someone, in October 2005, me, when I got saved, the Holy Spirit indwelled me. That's so what we know as a baptism of the Holy Spirit. In Mark 1 8, it says, I need to baptize you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. And so, the very moment of conversion, the Holy Spirit takes up residence within my life. I get all of the Holy Spirit I'm going to get at the moment of salvation. But throughout my life, I can give more of myself to the Holy Spirit, which is Good. what we know as the filling of the Spirit. Good. And Ephesians 5 18 says, Be not drunk with wine, whereas in the excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And so, we can relinquish more control to the Spirit, not getting more of the Spirit. We got it all, at salvation. But I believe the Holy Spirit is that agent in the new birth, as we see. I believe the Holy Spirit also seals us until the day of redemption. Ephesians 4, verse 30 says, Grieve not to hear the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed until the day of redemption. Romans 8, 14 says uh, that he guides us as well. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So I believe he leads us as well. He also fulfills many other roles. He teaches and does. Um, he's called our comforter in John 14, 26, 15, 26. And, and so he fills many roles within the life of the believer.
4: Gentlemen. sufficient. Could you clarify one thing, Brother Matt? You talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Yes, sir. You talked about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Clarify that just a little bit. Take take a half step there in clarification. Uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, does it have anything to do, and we'll see this in
3: just a moment, though, baptism by immersion. Does it have anything to do with that water? It does not. Uh, I believe it has nothing to do with that. We know Christ and Christ alone saves. Uh, baptism is just a, a, the next step of obedience. And so the water baptism does not play a role in that whatsoever. The moment a believer trusts Christ as his Lord and Savior, the, the Holy Spirit indwells uh, that believer. And so the waters of baptism do not play a role in that.
1: Very good. Men, go ahead. I already know what he believes on these things, but I want him to clarify. You know, in these days and times, we've got churches just down the street from us. that call themselves Baptists, and yet they speak in tongues, and they get slain in the Spirit, and all these other apostolic um, signed gifts. Can you clarify for the for the congregation a little bit about yeah. what you believe in that? I do
3: believe the, the Holy Spirit does give us gifts. First uh, Corinthians twelve four says there are diversities of spirit or diversity of gifts, excuse me, not spirits. Diversity of gifts with the same spirit. All right, so there's there's one spirit that does give us gifts. Those are spiritual gifts. And I believe every believer does have spiritual gifts, such as uh, preaching or teaching or uh giving and, and other things such as that. Uh but as far as the sign gifts, I do believe they have ceased. Uh, in first Corinthians chapter thirteen, verse ten, it says, When that which is perfect is come, and that which is in part will be done away. And I believe when we received the, the completed word of God, those things have ceased. I believe those for a time and for a season and for a reason, but they're not for today. I believe speaking in tongues, uh, the, the, healings, those, those type of things. I do not believe it for today. I believe was for that time to confirm the message today. We have the perfect word of God. And so we do not I need the sign yesterday, but I do believe every believer has spiritual gifts. Amen. Okay. Pastor Bryson. Brother Matt, you're doing a good job.
1: First Baptist. Getting a good one. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> Thanks, Bryson. Tell us what you believe about Satan
5: or the devil.
3: Uh, I believe Satan is created. Uh, I believe he was created perfect. Uh, he was created holy. And the Bible does say in Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 15, it says, Thou was perfect in all thy ways from the day that thou was created until iniquity was found in thee. Uh, so, I believe he was created, and he was created perfect, however, he's created. Therefore, he's accountable to the Creator. Uh, and so he was uh, created, but he fell out of his uh, desire and ambition to be as God uh, through pride. Isaiah 14, 12 through 15 spells it out and it says, How thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, thou son of the morning? How art thou cast down the ground, which did this week in the nations? For thou said in thy heart, I will ascend above the heavens. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit up on the mount of the congregation, on the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. He had his five I will statements that he thought he was going to do, and then God says, No, you'll be cast down to hell to the sides of the pit. And so we see that he was cast out of heaven because of sin and pride and ambition to be his God. As he fell, Revelation 12.4 tells us that his tail drew a third of the stars, which we know is the a third of the angels with him. I believe that he is uh, at work today. He is busy today. He is not everywhere. He is not all-knowing. He is not all-powerful because he is not God. Uh, so he cannot uh, uh, operate as God can operate, uh, but I believe he is powerful, and I believe he can work. Uh, and so we know that today he works in many ways. He wants to keep the lost lost. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, he wants to blind the minds of them which believe not that they may see the light of the glorious gospel. So he wants to keep lost people lost. I believe he's behind all false religions because of that. First John chapter 2, verse 22 says, Who is a liar, but he denieth uh, Jesus Christ. Who is Antichrist, but he denieth the Father and the Son. And so if Satan can get someone to believe a false religion, a works-based religion, or some other uh, religion, it may look good on the outside, but if it's not through Jesus Christ, it's false, and they're going to die and go to hell. And so if he, if he can get someone to believe a false uh, religion, he's behind that. Uh, and he's victorious in that person's life if they believe that. I believe for the, for the believer today, he does want to, the Bible says in John 10 10 still kill and destroy. I believe in Ephesians 6, it tells us that we need to put on the full armor of God that we can withstand the wiles of the devil. And so we need to, as believers, be on guard because he would love nothing more than destroy our testimony and our witness and make us ineffective for the sake of the kingdom. And so 1 Peter 5 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And so we know he wants to uh, work in our lives and ruin our testimony, make us ineffective for the kingdom, make us ineffective in witnessing and sharing Christ with others. And so we see that today. We also know he's man's tempter. Uh, Matthew 4 3, he's called the tempter. It says, and when the tempter came to him, he said, if thou be the son of God, command these stones be made bread. And so he's called a tempter in Matthew 4, 3, as he was tempting Jesus in the wilderness. And uh, we know he tempted Adam and Eve in the garden. We'll get to that in the fall. In Genesis 3, 1, it tells us he was more subtle than the beast of the field which the Lord had made. And so he, he tempted them, and obviously we know they gave in. And so he's man's great tempter. Uh, but I believe at the end of the day, he's gonna lose. I believe in Revelation chapter 20, verse 10, the Bible makes it very clear. It says, the devil, the deceived, will be cast in a lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. So I believe he's active. I believe he's working. Um, but God's got this. Amen. Good. Anything,
4: fellas, to ask or add? Go ahead, Brother Bryson. Keep on preaching. All right. it's <laughs> <That's> good, brother. <laughs> Tell
1: us what you believe will morph two into one here about the creation and the fall of man.
3: Okay. Uh, I believe uh, the Genesis account of creation. Uh, I believe it uh, literally. I take it. I take the scriptures at full and face value on creation. I believe when it says in the beginning, God created heaven and earth. I believe in the beginning, God created heaven and earth. I believe he created it in six lower days. I believe day one was light. Day two was ferment. Day three was a dry land, season, vegetation. Day four was sun, moon, and stars. Day five was a fish and a fowl. And day six was uh, animals and mankind. I believe uh, that's what happened. I I take the scriptures at full and face value on creation. Uh, I believe that uh, he created all things. John 1, 3 says, uh, all things are made by him and without him is not anything made that was made. And so I believe God is a creator of all things. I believe he did it again in six literal days. After each day of creation, it says the evening and the morning were the first day, evening and the morning were the second day, and so on. And so we see it was a 24-hour period, not as some may claim that it was a thousand years or thousands of years. For each day of creation, it was a little 24-hour period. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 11, it even says, for in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth, the seas, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day, wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and it. And so we see that he created everything in six literal days. And so I believe the scriptures on, on that, I take them again at their full and their face value. I believe that the crowning jewel of all creation was man. In Genesis 126, he said, Let us make man in our image and after our likeness. The only thing God created after his own image was mankind. He created him in the image of God. It says in, in verse 27, it says, So man created God in his image, and the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. I guess I should say for just a minute, there's only two genders. Uh, there's, yes. there's men and there's women, and that is it. Um, and so yes. uh, he created us male and female. Uh, so I believe that God uh, did indeed uh, create man after his image. We also see in, in uh, Genesis chapter two, verse seven, it says he breathed the breath of life into the nostrils and man became a living soul. Uh, and so we see again, the crowning jewel of his creation is, is mankind. I do believe uh, that God established laws within his creation. I do not believe evolution plays any role in any way, shape or form in what we see today. Uh, there's many who will say that they can intermix or maybe creation and evolution somehow work together. I deny that. I believe it was, it was solely God in creation as the, as the Bible states, as it says. I believe God established laws within his creation in Genesis chapter one, verse 24. He says, every, uh, let every living creature bring forth after their kind, and it was so. And so God established that things would bring forth after their kind. Evolution obviously uh, says otherwise. And so we see that God established laws that clearly point to that in the scriptures. So Genesis 1 and 4 speaks to that as well. I believe also that one of the greatest evidences of God is creation. I like to get out and run. I can't get outside and look at God's beautiful creation and... and, and to someone to say, there's not a God blows my mind. We look outside and we see this beautiful creation and it points that there is a creator. Everything around us points that there's a creator. You look at the the magnitude of this world, it points there's a creator. You see a beautiful sunrise or sun red, it points there's a creator. You look at our bodies and how detailed they are, even though I may not like what I see, my body is very detailed. The DNA makeup, the (laughs) the fact that I cut myself and it heals itself. I get sick and it fights the infection. My brain fires signals to my body and it functions. And that didn't just happen. And so I believe that uh, God's creation points to a Creator. I believe it's one of the greatest evidences of God's existence. As a matter of fact, I believe the fool has said in his heart, there is no God in Psalm 14.1. And that's why all men or all people, excuse me, are without excuse. Romans 1.20 says that all people are without excuse. Everyone is accountable to God. And one of those reasons is because of creation. There's others, but that's one. And so we see that. We see Psalm 19.1 says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. And so I believe God's creation was exactly as it's spelled out for us in the book of Genesis. I take it at full and face value and I believe it screams that there is a creator. Oh, follow man. Sorry, there's two questions there. I was just going to bypass that, Bryce. Um I believe that man obviously was uh, the crown jewel of creation. I believe man was created innocent under the law of his maker. Uh, I believe in the, the, uh, Genesis 131, when he was finished, he said it was very good. And there's nowhere in Scripture God calls sin good. Uh, so clearly man was created innocent, uh, but we do know that man fell. In Genesis 3, we, we read of that fall. We know that Satan came and tempted Adam and Eve. He came in the form of a serpent. Genesis 3.1 says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord had made, and said to the woman... Yea, hath God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden, and put a question mark where God put a period, and began to doubt and bring doubt into the minds of, of Adam and Eve, and made a question, uh, make them begin to question the word of God and what God said. We know they tripped up, they fell, uh, and you know the rest of the story. Sin has come in. And now I believe all the problems we have in this world today stem from sin. Uh, we look around this world, the problems with marriages is sin, the problem with diseases is sin, the problem with relationships is sin, the problem with our society is sin. It all stems from sin. Sin came in at the fall of man, and I believe sin has passed all the way through the generations and will only continue to do so. We are sinners from the beginning. Romans five twelve says, "Wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin? So death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned." And so we see that sin began and is only going to continue. We see in Psalm fifty one verse five that we are sinners from birth. It says in Psalm fifty one five, David says, "Behold, I was shaped in iniquity, and sin did my mother conceive me." And so we're, I don't believe that we were born innocent and we sin and become sinners. I believe we're born sinners. Just go hang out in the nursery and you'll figure that out real quick. (laughs) So I believe we're born uh, sinners and therefore we sin. It's our nature. We are totally depraved. The Bible says, uh, thirdly, that there, we're sinners by choice. We make choices every day uh, to sin, whether that's in deed, thought, action, or sometimes by doing nothing. We have sins of omission because there's things we should be doing that we don't do. And so there we, clearly we are all in sin. The Bible says in Romans three twenty three, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans three twelve says there's none doeth good, no, not one. There's none righteous, no, not one. Right, so I believe we are all under sin uh, because we're sinners from the beginning, we're sinners by birth, we're sinners by choice. And I believe that man is not inherently good, Romans seven eighteen, the apostle Paul says, uh, for I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing for the will is present with me, but how to perform that, which is good. I find not. And I'm, I'm with Paul on that. Amen. What's us what we about to follow him. Very good.
4: Man, anything to ask? You want to get a drink of water there, brother? Matt? Yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize you're kind of a speed talker too. You go fast. All Amen. Right. You get about three messages in, in one setting. <laughs> You're doing a great job there. Thanks, Josh. You're yeah. doing great. Uh, Pastor Cheryl. we've got a few here. Why don't you uh, ask a few questions?
5: My brother Matthew, we're in the season when there's a great emphasis on the birth of Christ. Amen. Uh, some churches and preachers will say it was virtuous or unique, mm-hmm. but they will not say he was born of a virgin. What do you believe about that?
3: Yeah, I believe this is a a crucial doctrine uh, because I believe it it confirms and secures the deity of Christ. Uh, I believe that Jesus was born in any other way than what the scripture prescribes and he would not be God. Mm. Uh, But he was born in the manner in which the the scriptures uh, prescribe, I take it at full and face value. I do believe that uh, Jesus was indeed conceived of the Holy Ghost in the Virgin Mary, as the Bible says. Isaiah 7, 14 prophesied it and says, therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so it's God, uh, 100% God, 100% man with us. Amen. And it also says in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on the wise. When Mary, his mother, was a spouse of Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. And so I believe wholeheartedly that Jesus was born in the way that the Scripture prescribes. And I believe because of that, it confirms his deity. And that's important. Because if he was born in sin, then he's a martyr, not a savior. And mm-hmm. so I believe that is important because it confirms. It cons- uh, conserves his deity. Uh, John uh, chapter excuse me, Mark 1 1 says the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Not a Son of God, the Son of God. I believe he's 100 percent God, 100 percent man, born unlike any other. And that's what I believe about the virgin birth. Very good. Go yeah, Brother Terrell. The Bible speaks
5: about atonement or the atonement for sin. What's it talking about when it says that and how's that accomplished?
3: Yeah, I believe salvation is solely of grace through faith. Ephesians 2 8 nine says for by grace are you saved through faith not of yourselves as a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But also see then in the scriptures that uh, Jesus himself made an atonement for our sin. He became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And so the wonderful work of Christ upon the cross atoned for our sin. He did a work on the cross that we could never accomplish on our own. I could never overcome my own sin. A perfect, holy God had to do that for me. And on that cross, the Bible tells us that he took our sin upon himself, the just dying for the unjust. The innocent party dying for the guilty. And you see that theme running all throughout Scripture. With Adam and Eve, you see it. They covered themselves with fig leaves, and God uh, killed an animal covered with animal skins. Innocent party dying for the guilty. We see that over and over again. Uh, First Peter 3.18 says, uh, Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being brought to death in the flesh, but quickened in the spirit. And so we see that he bore our sin upon the cross. Uh, we, we see that all throughout uh, the text. John 1.29, it says, Behold, the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. Uh, and again, Isaiah 53, verse 5 says, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Yes. I believe that the work of Christ on the cross made full atonement and satisfaction for our sin. 1 John 2, 2 says, And he was a propitiation or the payment for our sins, and not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. I believe on that old work of cross, Jesus died for all sins, for all time, for all who will believe. I believe that the debt and the price of sin was satisfied on the cross, in the perfect work of Jesus Christ. Jesus said you must be born again. When we talk about the new creation
5: or the new birth, perhaps if you were just speaking to a lost person that
3: knew very little about the Bible, how would you tell him how to be saved? Yeah. Uh... Jesus, amen. Uh, there is definitely a new, a new birth that must take place. One must be born again. John 3, 3, Jesus said, very last thing, to be, uh, except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And so we must be uh, born again. There must be a new birth in Christ. In October 2005, when I gave my life to Christ, that was my spiritual birth, a new birth. I was born again in Christ, and it's immediate. Uh, it's an immediate thing that takes place. Uh, John 3, verses 6 and 7 says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. Uh, and so there must be that new birth. Second Corinthians 517 says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. Ephesians 2, 1 tells us kind of the same thing. You were, and ye, uh, and, and yet he quickened or made alive who were dead in your trespasses and sins, immediately moving from death to life, that new birth. And so I believe a new birth is crucial. We see that in the, in, in the text.